Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing to my mind enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody. Welcome to Cinema PsyOps. I am joined in the studio with Matt. Yes. <laughs> yes. I feel like we just keep doing this shit every week. Every week you sit here and you say, I'm Court, and joined with me is Matt. Or variations or thereof. Or variations thereof. I'm just, I'm just we tired sit here. of it. I know. I'm tired of you. Tired, tired of this fucking place. This goddamn fucking planet. <laughs> Fuck tired, it all. Tired of myself. Tired of this sound. <laughs> oh my my. Oh hell yes. Honey, <laughs> you put on your party dress. Yeah, yes. <laughs> now you made me cry because I remember Tom Petty's dead. Yeah. Thanks, dick. God damn it. 2017 <laughs> fucked us. Oh my god. Really sucked. Fucked us hard. Fuck it. I mean, Rickles, Teddy. I mean, fuck. <laughs> yeah, the list goes on. Man. Yeah. It's, that's I mean, just that's the just, most recent one. Now that you I'm can scared remember. because we're only a few days into 2018 and I'm like, don't take any of the cool people. Stop taking cool people. Take some of the assholes. We have so many fucking assholes you could take. <laughs> I'm surrounded by assholes. 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 I'm surrounded by assholes. <laughs> I'm one of them. Take me. Take me. Uh, Physically or death? I would I would prefer emotionally first because I like to feel connected. <laughs> so what you're saying is death take on me, take me on. <laughs> take on. And no singing for Matt. <laughs> I don't like your new buttons. <laughs> the much more easily mutable Matt. <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't like the buttons that make it so easy for you to mute me. Yeah, I've been reworking the studio pretty much in between every single episode. It changes just a little bit every time. A little bit Matt every time. Yeah, I, know. I come in here I'm like, it's like a new page of Where's Waldo? <laughs> it's like where's the where's the latest lights I like to stare at? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I moved the mixer closer to me so that I could mute Matt even faster. I know it's just it's really bothersome. <laughs> and he's moved the colorful blinking lights farther away from me so they're harder to see. And they're tilted away from I me. I know it really bothers me. Those are my blinky lights. <laughs> You don't even get to look at them. Don't even acknowledge that they're there. Don't give two ADHD motherfuckers a show with blinky lights. You're never going to get anything done. Pretty. Oh, God. Sometimes I think you just talk on endlessly to watch the the VU meters pop up and down. It's like Christmas all the time. (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of red and green in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm serious. You know why we're talking like this? Because we don't want to do this fucking review. (laughs) What the fuck were you doing, man? (laughs) 
What the fuck did we watch? What happened? You know what? I have no fucking clue. I wrote, seriously, I wrote down everything that happened in the movie. I have five pages front and back of notes, and I still don't know what happened. What happened? I don't know. Have you ever seen this before? No. 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 This is what we just dinged out, huh? Yeah, well, I... I bought it yeah. specifically because it, there was a sale at Vinegar Syndrome. Okay. It was limited to 3,000 copies only. Okay. It's a very special pressing that okay. they're doing. <laughs> okay. But what the fuck? I know. It's this weird little film that I had kind of seen in video stores. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the title. Yeah. Which we're talking about Horror House on Highway 5. The title alone kind of dragged me in. I'm like, okay, well, we'll uh, check it out. Yeah, I mean, the t- I, when you show me, when I saw the title, I'm like, oh, all right. All right. This could be good. This be good be good and then start out and i'm like all right all right maybe a little you know all right well, uh, well, i'll save it i'll save it yeah you better i'll save it i'll save it but seriously i i don't know i don't know i don't know this is gonna this is gonna be like trying to explain a david lynch film to someone who's blind yeah exactly oh my god <laughs> listen I, I i don't know i you guys you don't even have to watch this movie and you know about as much as we do and we watch this motherfucker court took notes <laughs> seriously like i i could say that you're going to get spoiled if you don't watch this and yes it's on Amazon Prime you can watch it for free if you have a subscription to Prime uh, you absolutely can see it that way uh, I'm sure it might be out there on YouTube and things like that because there's VHS copies of this that have kind of mm. not necessarily Found their way yeah not necessarily legal but are out there yeah. and I'm not so sure that the one that's on Prime is all that legal either but we watched a completely pristine l- print of this and I still don't know what's going on is there anybody left who wants to take credit for it like you know the guy that made this is still alive is he yeah like, do you think maybe he's hiding he made a sequel to it in 2014 called horror house on highway six i shit you not why did we watch that i mean maybe that had all the fucking answers <laughs> i sincerely doubt that it did <laughs> it probably made more questions i have no clue what's going on in this film i'm like <laughs> so this is going to be the rest of our review be going i don't know and you're going, but what like, does it mean i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> So strap in, folks. I did, however, happen to find some music that was featured in the film, and we'll get into that. Did you? Did we'll, you really? We'll get, we'll get into that. When I say featured, I mean loosely featured. Yeah, I mean, dude, like the music would go, go, stop. And then different music would start playing, and it's the same scene. <laughs> All right. Looks like Matt cannot wait to really dig into this film here. So it we're gave me lupus. Gave you lupus? Lupus. No, you just got loopy watching it. There's okay, a difference. Okay, yeah, that's true. All right, we're going to take a little break here. We'll play a promo for another podcast. We'll have a little bit of music that was sort of featured in the film. When we come back, we will have the trailer. Oh, God, no. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick... <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark, if you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to Episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com.
one thing this film featured really well is a whole shit ton of like forerunners to garage rock and garage rock style stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, what it actually had was there were songs where they wanted to do like a Richie Valens like tune or they wanted to have a Let There Be Drums kind of song. Yeah. So somebody else would write a song that sounded exactly like it and may have been a, pretty much the same thing and then performed it. Yeah. So you, if you look at IMDb, there's credits for the songs they ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the people who played the songs that they ripped off. Tried to find the actual songs that were featured in the movie as yeah. best I could, but all I found was mostly songs that they ripped off. Oh my God. I think there was some Link Ray in there because it sounded like it might have been Link Ray, but I couldn't find any of the specific songs that sounded the same. All right. So this one was said that it was supposed to be in there, but... Hey, all right. I don't know. And also the... Listen, I don't know is going to be the theme of this show. <laughs> I don't know. I have I no clue know. in what's going on. I don't know. <laughs> what's happening? When will then be now? You know what's going to happen right now, Matt? What? We're going to play this trailer. Oh, uh, why? Horror House on Highway 5. A horror film truly ahead of its time. Horror House on Highway 5. They were young and in love. He was crazy. She was dead. You know Jason in Friday the 13th. Now meet Bartholomew. What's wrong with you? Get this man that guy over. You must have a low IQ. You, you can't be dead. You can't be alive. Horror House on Highway 5. Watch this film or die. God, that's insistent, isn't oh it? Oh my God, Jesus, fine. Watch this film under threat of death. <laughs> Lord, I feel like it when it's like presidential election time and everyone's telling me to vote. <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you, felons can't vote? <laughs> you know, felons can watch this film, though. They better have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did do that. <laughs> then I had to commit another felony. <laughs> By watching the film? <laughs> yes. I don't want to know how that works. I don't know either. <laughs> All right. So I think the film will be summed up best by the opening dialogue that happens between two of the main characters. I, I think they're main characters that show up in the film. They're the whole so, way through the film. Yeah. So are they the main characters? <laughs> right? They're featured the most? The, the only way I could like say that is yes. <laughs> anyway, their, their opening dialogue is our opening clip. What's this card? Lajustice. Lajustice. Tough one, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Lajustice. Just, just. Oh, justice, yeah. It was right on the tip of my tongue. Next card. Uh, oh, I know this one. Uh, la, la morte, and it means death. La mort. Love. Love? No, no, it's not. It's a skeleton. Look, he's smiling. Love. Love. Okay, so a smiling skeleton means love, Matt. Love, love. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying I, to tell you that forever. I, I just so I, long I thought as he the was just happy. Thing, so long as the dead thing is smiling, yeah, it loves what you're doing to it. God, Jesus! <laughs> what? That, you didn't get that from no, that clip? No. Oh, there's a whole lot of symbolism. I'm gonna have to clearly explain to you that. I guess. Well, I guess yeah, because you know <laughs> I don't all of a sudden go right to thinking about you know fucking dead people. Who does? <laughs> and then yes, that's a clip. Well, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you, know, so, you do. <laughs> I don't think about doing it. I you just do, do it. it. <laughs> it's a compulsion, man. No, it's not a compulsion. That makes it sound filthy. <laughs> it's it's deliberate. Yeah. Done with kindness. Like candles. But preferably scented. You know, you're soft, <laughs> but a firm hand. <laughs> All right, so after this clip, we get a, let's just say trippy, run down a staircase, and then the shot of a view from what it 
appears to be like an exterior of a home at night. Yeah. From the driveway. It just kind of jumbles back and forth with these weird cuts that the film does. And a whole lot of these sequences are like these weird hallucinatory feels to them that it's kind of hard to try and explain or, it, 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 or it, figure out. What? The way I felt when it was first going, I felt like, I wonder if this is supposed to be like a massive mindfuck movie where I'm supposed to be like, you're supposed to keep you off guard like the whole time and discombobulated. I, I don't believe that was their actual intent. That's just how it came out. All right. So they cut from that to a woman sets a planter down, admires it for like a second just to kind of see if she likes it where it is, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's really, man, that potted plant is really important. Apparently. Apparently it's going to tie the room together. Right. But not this particular room because she mm. picks it immediately back up and then moves it to another I mean, she room. does. She puts it down, looks back, looks at it. I'm like, dude, it's a potted plant, man. It's just not like a rug. <laughs> that will tie your room together. That will tie the room together. <laughs> well, she moves that to another room and then sets it down, admires it for a minute, puts it in front of an Alice in Wonderland poster. I don't know yeah. if that's supposed to be a visual clue of the trip that we're about to take or that just happened to be in the apartment that they were filming in. Take the blue pill, man. Take <laughs> the blue pill. Eat me, drink me. <laughs> Eat me until you produce liquid and then drink that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, dude. I don't know. (laughs) Hashtag time's up. Anyway. (laughs) All right. So after that, it cuts to a man comes to the exterior of the house. He kind of drives in with his car. Mm -hmm. He puts on a mask and then sneaks inside as the woman puts away dishes. And then the man kind of looks like he's in a tricky dicky mask. And then they actually Mm -hmm. show it. And it is definitely a tricky dick mask. It's definitely, that's definitely Dick Nixon. Yeah. He goes to scare her, which he does. He scares the ever loving shit out of her. And then it turns out that she knows him and she's come to expect this kind of tomfoolery and jackassery from mm. this tomfool jackass. What a dickhole. She mentions that he scared her. But a lovable her. dickhole, apparently. She likes him. Yeah, I guess they're together. As, I don't... as best as you could say, yeah. maybe. I don't know. As far as I can tell from their dialogue, they may not live together, but they're apparently going to take a trip together, but whatever. And they, she's they used to him. They have probably exchanged fluids at one point in time. And she's probably come to expect him to be this kind of a douche. Yes. All right. So she mentions that he scared the shit out of her with some kind of hiding in the bushes routine or something yeah, like that. Yeah. She's like, you really scared me when you're hiding in the bushes. And he's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I get to do my impression. Bushes? Yeah. He doesn't know what she's talking about. By the way, I'm going to be confused. doing a lot of impressions of the acting tonight. So I haven't seen that since the early days. <laughs> I know. I got to because it's, it's one of those, it's one of those movies. <laughs> Chances are I have a clip of what you're going to try and do an impression. <laughs> probably. And I'm still going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will probably cut them all out. Well, you know, at least I get them out. <laughs> You're like, I get mine. That's all I care about. <laughs> I forget that you were at the church during our wedding vows. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I may or may not have written some of them. He filmed it. <laughs> no, that was a honeymoon. <laughs> <sighs> I'm scarred for life. Yep. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's going to be hard enough to try and figure out these notes. God damn it. <laughs> All right, she then gives him a whole verbal honey-do list where it's like, go do this, grab this, load up the car with that. Take the bag out to the car, then need you to go to the store to get some stuff, and I'm not even near ready yet because I got to take a shower. It's like, and he's yeah. like, Ugh. You can see it on his face that she just completely dashes all of his hopes and dreams with this honey-do list. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> he seems immediately downtrodden, beaten, and he's like, welcome to being married, dude. Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> hashtag, you know, get used to it. This, this is your wedded bliss, pal. I'll just yeah. get used to it. Hashtag wedded bliss. <laughs> Hashtag matrimony. All right. So the door that was supposedly locked, they make a big deal about showing the door when he gets out of his car that he pauses to lock it and shut the door. But that car door is now open and it's just open.
open a little bit. It's just kind of hanging out, but it's clearly open when you go to look at that. Dun, dun, dun. And he actually does notice it and then decides to inspect the open door. And then he doesn't look in the back seat. He just sits down and decides to fire up the car. We always check the back seat. Always, always, always check always the back Always check the back seat. Even if the doors appear to be remain locked. Yeah. Oh, I always <laughs> check the back seat at night. I, I But I got a complex. I always check the back seat in the middle of the morning <laughs> when it's fully bright out. <laughs> and it's clearly that there's nobody back there. <laughs> just still check it? Still just check look. it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I grab a razor and cut it open just to make sure they're not hiding in there. <laughs> and then I realize I'm not in my car and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> that those ladies are screaming because they're sitting in the front. Hey, that's my car. <laughs> Why are you in here? What are you doing? I'm just at a stoplight. <laughs> it's going to be even more frantic and off the rails. Oh, yeah. The movie. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Anyway, so he sits down and he fires up the car after neglecting to check the back seat. <laughs> and then he's immediately dragged into the back seat by his throat. And I'm assuming he's killed because it sounds like he's strangled to death. Yeah, it sounds like he's very strangled to death. There's going to be a lot of speculation on my part trying to piece this together because the film doesn't really give you any definition of anything. He was possibly maybe kind of sort of possibly I don't know strangled to death. I know he was killed. Yes. I don't know if it was here in the car. He is dead. He's definitely killed. He definitely is killed. I just don't know if it was here in the car. Or somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The cut from this. He may have died at the age of 55. He may just like walked away from this and (laughs) just decided not to come back. He comes to in the backseat after the guy strangled him, realizing that he actually likes to get choked out. (laughs) And he couldn't deal with it, so he he just walked off. And he doesn't like cutting to do lists, but he does like getting choked out. So, (laughs) time to go start a new life. He's like, I gotta go hang out with the guy from NXS. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what David Carradine's doing this time of year. (laughs) Right. They cut from this to... Walking the earth. They cut from this to the woman from earlier is showering as the door opens mysteriously on her for absolutely no reason at all. She looks outside the door, looks around a little bit. And then we see her getting ready as the sound of like a clopping walking noise and then a flopping sound occurs just outside of the bathroom door. This leads to a cut shot of the woman's nude body from the back. We get to see her butt. She turns around a little bit and you see her boobs. You did see her boobs a little bit in the shower too. So little little bit thank you movie? Kind of thank you movie. Kind of. But like it feels kind of. But I still don't understand why. So do we need a reason why we're seeing a woman naked? No, no, no. no, no. This is one of the few things you're right. We don't need a reason for. Thank you, movie. Thank you, movie. Okay, so the woman then gets dressed in a tank top and some panties, and then she heads out to investigate the strange noises, which is always a bad idea when you're not clothed very well in your own home. Yeah, that's not... Without weapons. Yeah, right? I mean... Keep a weapon in every room, because you never know when you need it. Sword, baseball bat. (laughs) A copy of Fire and Fury. (laughs) 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 You never know when you need that. You never know. never know when you need a good book. Lightsaber. As she's walking through... Yeah, like, that'll do any fucking good. I'm going to hit him with plastic. You, you hit hard enough, man. That shit bur- <laughs> can bruise. <laughs> That'll stop an assailant. Well, you never know. What if, what if it's a really, really cowardly assailant? <laughs> ah! It runs away. Unless I'm defending my house from you, I think I'm going to have to get a better weapon. True. If you pull out a lightsaber while I'm trying to do a house invasion, I will turn and run the other way. All right. So she doesn't notice a bloody handprint on the doorway. Uh, it's like on one of the door jams as she's walking past the hall. And it's like mostly just the fingers and things like that. And it's just out of sight, but you can kind of tell where the clop clop and then body drop sound came from. It's clearly in that room <laughs> as far yeah. as we can tell. As far as we can. Again, a lot yeah. of speculation on my part 
here. I'm just trying to put together as best I can what's going on with this film. Yeah. All right. So she turns on the light in the kitchen, and then we get some very discordant violin sounds to make some kind of a soundtrack score to it. But then it leads to like this weird jump scare whenever we see the body of whom I'm assuming is her boyfriend or this guy that was with her earlier. But she doesn't look too shocked to see it. Yeah, he's in the area under the sink, and that's a running motif in this film. No one in this film seems too terrified when they come upon dead bodies of other human beings. No, in this film, it's just kind of like a, huh, <laughs> that's strange. He never dies under the kitchen when we're at home. Yeah. <laughs> or the kitchen yeah. sink when we're at home. That is so strange. <laughs> he just never does that. In the old house, he never died underneath the kitchen violently. <laughs> yeah. So as Honey, far as- have you been watching the excess videos again? <laughs> so as far as we can tell, it looks like it's her man that's underneath the kitchen sink, like kind of draped over the garbage disposal or something <laughs> yeah, like that. He's dead. Yeah. So, then- okay, now we know for sure he's dead. Or as far as we can tell. Or or he's just going to wake up again and, and go live, live a life of kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> Gaging by her reaction, clearly he's gonna be just fine. Yeah, yeah I mean, she's if just you go confused over her, as to why he's there. Buddy, listen, I thought I told you to go to the store. <laughs> How dare you die <laughs> curled up around the garbage disposal when I have things I need you to pick up when I'm showering. I asked you to clean out the garbage disposal, not die underneath it. God, can't you do anything? All right, so someone else is in the tricky dick mask and the suit coat and apparently the shirt that the guy was wearing because all he has is his jeans. And this person manhandles the woman, starts slamming her off of the walls around the room, and then drops her to the floor and does kind of like a like a standing slam to the floor, it looks yeah. like, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it was a belly-belly suplex. It was nice. Yeah. And then after she's on the ground, he does, I don't, it looks like a palm strike that he hits her in the side of the head with yeah. a palm strike. And then I guess that knocks her out. But that was the slowest palm strike I've ever seen. Right. And she was still covering her head to protect it, but somehow this palm strike knocked her out and then the assailant walks towards the kitchen the woman comes to at some point and then starts the stagger run to another room and then immediately falls into a glass table which alerts this particular assailant in the tricky dick mask of her current whereabouts. The woman jumps up and her wrist is apparently cut. I'm assuming it's supposed to be cut very badly because it looks pretty torn up. Although it doesn't bleed a lot, that's probably just a limitation of the effects. Yeah. But from the looks of it, you would say it was supposed to be like a pretty bad cut on her wrist. Yes. Yeah. It's supposed to be dead time. (laughs) Something like that. So she tries to hide when the assailant goes to look for her. He goes to a different room than where the sound clearly came from and then she's kind of hiding against the closet door and then she grabs a piece of the glass from the table that she broke and apparently she's going to use that as a weapon although it barely fits in her hand and then as she attempts to leave she basically makes it right to the front door or what I'm guessing is the front door from what we can tell she is then grabbed once again and then throttled while she screams endlessly I mean this goes on for a very long time she's throttled that guy's like why do you ask your husband to do so many things he's tired and she's screaming and being choked at the same time. I don't know how she gets the air through the collapsed <laughs> windpipe that he's choking her out with. Don't ask these questions, Court. <laughs> don't, you don't, you don't know anything logic. about science, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at some point, we see that her hand is reaching for the glass again when she drops it. I'm assuming that she dropped to the ground, saw the glass, and tried to grab it. But she dies, or we're assuming that she dies because her hand drops back down and then just lays there flat. Yeah. And then they cut from that to our next clip. And the final group will consist of... Louise Kingsley, Mike Simpson, and Sally Smith. Where is Sally? Probably late, as usual. Well, your project will be the development of the German V-2 rocket during World War II and the influence of the German scientist Frederick 
Bartholomew. As you know, Bartholomew came to the United States from Germany after the war and spent the remainder of his life here under somewhat mysterious circumstances. Louise, I think I know of a secluded place where you can complete your project. Right here, off of Old Highway 5, is the community of Littletown, which strangely was the place where Bartholomew completed his post-World War II experiments. There's a small field right here which would be the perfect place for you to complete your research. I'm sorry I'm late. Please be on time, Sally. I will. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. I've been discussing your term project. While Louise tries to assemble the model rocket, I'd like you to interview some of Professor Bartholomew's former associates. Oh, okay, I will. And Mike, I know you've been bit... Mike, I know you've been busy, but perhaps you could also go out with Louise and give her some help when she goes to Littletown. Uh, well, I was supposed to practice. Mike, if we complete this project successfully, you don't have to take the final exam. I guess I could go. Okay, Mike and Louise will go to Littletown to test the rocket while Sally remains here in town to do her interviews. Okay, so after this, Sally strolls up to a house and knocks on the door. Hi, I'm here for a project. <laughs> You're offering way too much depth. <laughs> she is attempting to conduct an interview, but the pair of weirdos, let's just put that's putting it mildly, <laughs> that we saw at the beginning of the film are the house that she's at. She's you, at hear about, house. you hear about the professor, <laughs> the professor who you hear about. I know much about the professor that you've come here to talk about. The the professor. I legit am not making that shit up. That is kind of how the dialogue goes. <laughs> I may or may not have done some story editing on the dialogue that does show up in this episode yeah. to try and make it make a little more sense. Oh my god, that was legit how all that went. Yeah, it went pretty nuts. I, I didn't even bother with a clip because I couldn't follow what the hell they were trying to say to each other. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell are they doing? She would say something and he would parrot it back to her yeah, and then that, tell her he knew everything that, that she wanted them. to know. That was like, that's coming up for the whole movie. There's a lot of parody to this whole movie. Yeah, but they repeat everything that yeah. everybody else said. Yeah. yeah. It feels like, it feels like everybody's improving, but no one knows exactly what they're trying to improv around. All right. So Sally ends up at the house of the two weirdos we saw earlier in the beginning of the film, and they are sending out what I have in my notes as all kinds of fucking warning signals. <laughs> oh, God like every ladies, every red flag for you like that that you could ever possibly imagine happens in this scene <laughs> every red flag i did not only feel scared for her i felt scared for the two guys <laughs> like i felt i felt that something horrible was going to happen to them because of them yeah <laughs> listen all i'm going to say is that this is the only possible way i could imagine what it must be like to be in a hotel room with harvey weinstein oh, oh. Oh. That's pretty oh, disparaging oh, oh. of these two characters. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, uh, am I being too mean to Harvey Weinstein? No, you're being too mean to these characters. Yeah, okay, okay. Now that, you may have a These point. guys are at least partially redeemable. <laughs> partially redeemable. <laughs> All right, so the pair are extremely hostile to each other. The one in particular always yelling at Gary is Mabusa, I guess, is the guy's name. I wrote him in my notes as Doc because I'm not fucking saying that more than I have no, to. No, no, Jesus. I'm not. Listen, man, I didn't memorize any names of any of these characters. I clearly got most of the names wrong because I, I couldn't figure out who what characters were supposed to be who. Who's who? I, I had to write a key later on in some of my notes where I'm like, the person you have written up as other fucking lady is this and, and stuff like that because I was lost. Like, and people changed like yes i know 
through the whole movie, the way they look, it frequently keeps changing. I had to keep backing it up. Like, it took me forever to do the notes on this. <laughs> I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> Matt's laughing so hard right now. He's in tears. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I'm just like, is it just me? I'm like, is Corey going to have, like, these impressive array of notes going, Matt, you understand, this is a film masterpiece. Like, this is famous with all us, like, with all us movie folks. Why don't yeah. you get it? I'm like, fuck, Matt. I know <laughs> just to have you like going on like oh thank god <laughs> the minute I was like I don't know what's going on this I'm is like, just what I have written down <laughs> yeah. alright so the pair are extremely hostile to each other the doc is always down on Gary and basically ordering him around like a servant or something like that or like a zone personal Igor oh my god he even refers to him as his assistant and the assistant is clearly mentally incapacitated in some way shape or form dude is like straight up smoked some wrong stuff <laughs> He's, it's like somebody bore a hole in his head and dumped acid inside of it. Yeah. Not LSD. No. Battery acid. acid. Real battery acid. Yeah. Real shit. Now, young Sally eventually kind of gets the clue and does the smart thing and gets the fuck out of that place, despite the quote-unquote doctor claiming to have all of the information that she needs repeatedly. He's like, I know everything you need to know. I know everything about the professor. Yeah. The professor that you came for. She's getting ready to go, and she's trying to get out while they keep insisting that she's going to come back, and it absolutely makes no sense, so you can try and figure Figure it out on your own in our next clip. Hey. You'll come back. I will. Tonight. Come back tonight. I'll tell you everything. I will. Goodbye. As soon as you can? Yes. Goodbye. It was nice meeting you, Gary. Goodbye. Oh, uh, uh, pl pleasure's all mine. Don't let her get away. Well, I thought she was coming right back. She might not. Or she might bring someone with her. Oh, no. Go down to the alley and bring her up the back steps. Oh. Grab her. All right, but, but, but where's the sack? Where's the chloroform? Oh, here's the sack. Well, where's the chloroform? Here, here, here. Get going. Okay, so. Oh, my God. This leads to the most obvious kidnapping that has ever been done. That was beautiful. As Gary goes out to the middle of an alley and chloroforms a completely different woman. Yeah. <laughs> who's obviously wearing I legit, a completely different dress. I'm not even lying to you. At first, I thought it was going to be the same girl, and they fucked up the dress she was wearing in different days of shooting. I actually thought it was to the point until they revealed it later when yeah. we're getting there. So Yeah, yeah, I know. He, he dumps a man-sized bag over top of her, which is the more obvious part that you're kidnapping somebody, <laughs> and then drags her, literally drags her up the back no, no, staircase. No, that was the best part. When he was carrying her up, you could see her feet moving up the stairs. <laughs> he carries her up the back stairs to the house, and then as he pulls the bag off, it is very clearly completely different woman than what was just at their house. It's not our character Sally, who may or may not be our main character. We have no clue. We don't know who our main character is. It's complete. She had like a black checkered dress or something like that that she was wearing, and the other lady is wearing this floral print, uh, uh, and it's like blue. And she's <laughs> blonde. Yeah, it's a completely uh, different woman, and I she's mean, blonde. Oh my god. And as soon as the reveal of this woman who's completely different in every way that she's dressed and her hair color and everything, the doc just looks at Gary and asks if he's fucking blind or what <laughs> you fucking blind or what they never explain why they specifically need sally and why this other woman that they kidnapped won't do for whatever nefarious purpose they have i know i was like you, okay but you have one you, you you've kidnapped a girl why why not keep this woman that you've kidnapped i don't understand i, I don't get it we don't get an explanation because no. what happens next is they cut to gary dragging the girl back down the 
stairs. They do a better job of mimicking that he's walking her yeah, down the stairs. This as you one's see. a little bit better. Yeah, because she's kind of stepping like a as she's going into to not fall, and it looks a little bit more realistic. But he drags her back down the stairs. Then they cut away to this to like him setting her down on like a park bench that might be it's the, like a bus stop. Yeah, like a bus stop bench or something like that. And he goes to abandon her there, and there's a woman sitting on the park bench, and he pushes her body right next to the woman on the park bench. And the woman's trying to like lead away. I'm not so sure that woman was involved in the movie. <laughs> she may not have known what was going on. <laughs> they might have just wanted to see what reaction they I know, could get I'm out of just, her. Because the way that move it, move, woman moved was one of those, I don't really want to get up, but I don't want this person touching me. I already warmed up the spot, you assholes. I don't want to move. <laughs> <laughs> This woman doesn't even seem to fucking care at all that he just dropped this woman on a park bench or a, a fucking yeah. bus stop bench or whatever no, she it was. She just leans away. Doesn't give a shit about what's happening and the girl falls on her once and drops her head on her shoulder and then she just pushes the girl to the other side and pushes her head off of her and then the girl falls flat on her lap with her head straight down and then she just moves away to the other bench and just sits there, does nothing else. And then we get no explanation of what happens to that girl later. We have no idea what's going on at all. They just cut away from this. Yeah. And then we see that the other person in the group, Louise, is looking at diagrams poolside, and I'm guessing of their of this particular V2 rocket or whatever that's part of her project. And it looked to me like they were the model versions of this, like she was trying to figure out how to put the model rocket together. Yeah. Does that sound right to you? Yes, I think so. I guess. Maybe. It doesn't matter because she's in a bikini. Yeah. She jumps up, displays her body proudly in the bikini, as she should, because she is the most lovely woman in this film. Yes. And then she dives right into the pool. And they fade from this to, that's enough science. I need to get my laps in. Basically. Yeah. I, <laughs> I could have watched her swim for the rest of this film and been a lot happier. The rest, it would have made a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, because I'd be like, man, she's really getting those laps she's in. She's getting those swim, man. She must be Olympic trials or some shit. That explains why she has a swimmer's body. Yeah. <laughs> they fade from this to a cityscape and then cut to a knock at the crazy person's house. And because I couldn't believe what I was seeing... <laughs> And hearing, that is our next clip. Hi. Miss Smith, so glad you came back. Yeah. Please, make yourself comfortable. You look thirsty. Why don't you let me make one of my special beverages? Be back in a moment. Here, don't screw up. Oh, could I screw up? You could screw up. You could drink it yourself. Don't drink it. Just give it to her. Oh, I, I understand. Uh, I get it. Dr. Mabusa prepared this drink for you. You'll have to excuse him, Miss Smith. He's sort of an idiot. Why do you let him treat you like that? Well, what do you mean? I don't know. He treats you like you're some sort of inferior, like you're a domestic servant or something, and you shouldn't stand for it. It's not right. Well, he, he does, and all the time making fun of me. Well, I don't think you should stand for it. You know, he he acts like I'm a goddamn moron. And I'm not. No, well, don't let him push you around. You're right. I've been his whipping boy for too long. There is only one thing to do in a situation like this. I'll kill him. I'll find that hammer and I'll put it right through his skull. No, no, wait a minute. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, that's just what you said. No, no. No? No. No. What I meant was that you should be more assertive. You just don't let him push you around. Oh. 
Could I have my drink? I'm dying of thirst. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, are you sure? Because Mabuzi doesn't make such good drinks. Kind of sour. Nonsense. It's delicious. Okay, now remember what I said, okay? But, you know. I, I guess. I labeled this, the idiot comes back to the house of the dummies. <laughs> the dummy. And the other clip was called, kidnapping an idiot for dummies. Uh, now, here's my thing. I know we're not supposed to victim blame, but you, why the fuck are you going back? <laughs> I don't know. They're, they gave off all the signals. Okay, so during this, as you heard, they actually put a drug in some kind he, of water. He made her a Cosby. Yeah, but it was just a drug in water. That was it. Yeah, that's a special drink. And then he gives it to his brother, who he calls an idiot and says he'd probably drink it himself, yet still completely trusts him to give it to Sally to, to drink. Yeah. And then while they're making this drink, we actually see Sally looking around the place, and there is some very seriously fucked up Nazi porn in yeah. this house. There's like women sitting on Nazi flag altar things, like fully nude, crotch shot, and fingers in the cooch. Still takes the drink. <laughs> she's in the place. She sees like two or three of these shots that are like really risque, like stuff that I was like, holy fuck movie. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> fuck you movie. They were sending warning flags for me to be like, get the fuck out of that house. <laughs> Listen, I don't feel safe in that house. I don't feel safe looking at this house the way that it was laid out, but she just, she stays. She doesn't run yet again. She just, and she takes a drink from strangers. <laughs> Isn't that like lesson one for women? Don't take a drink. You didn't make yourself from someone you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the first things that you should definitely not do. Yeah. Yeah. But Number two is don't go to the Nazi porn house. The only reason the drugging was successful is because she literally said, I'm parched or I'm, I'm dehydrated and just chugged the whole fucking thing yeah. down. And it's at this point in the film when she chugs the whole drug down herself and everything is like really surrealistic and I don't understand what's going on. I'm starting to wonder like how intentional is this? Like, are they purposely making it this over the top and off the wall and this insane? I've w I wondered that too. Because here's the thing. It's at this point when I, I pause the film and I'm pondering it like, is this intentional? I'm very familiar with John Waters films that do a lot of the same things yeah. like this intentionally for satire and irony and for the humor of it. And if this movie is doing this stuff on purpose, this is fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. Then it's funny. It's, it's great. It's insane. It's over the top. It's hilarious. And it's, it's awesome. But if they aren't doing it on purpose... What the fuck are they doing what it for? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what was your plan? This goes from A to F real fucking quick. And then back to A again. <laughs> <laughs> it's all over the place. Like, I, I still don't know how I feel about this movie. I don't either. Like, I'm I, really confused. I will tell you this, though, Matt. Yeah. There are documentaries on the making of and all of this behind the scenes stuff. I will be watching that later this there week. There are documentaries on this movie? Yeah, the making of and stuff in the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray and DVDs. There's a bunch of special features about it. Maybe Someday, James Franco will make a movie about the making of this movie and win another Gold Globe. Save that thought because I got the same feeling that you're just talking about here, yeah, but it, it wasn't until later in the movie. <laughs> right? Right. All right. Yeah. All right. They are successful in drugging Sally specifically because of Sally's insistence on chugging the drink, even though the guy tries to warn her by telling her that it's bitter and it's crap. And she says, no, it tastes good. It tastes like the drinks that all my mates usually give me. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much Last what time I had a drink think. like this, I was at Bill Cobb. Cosby's house. Oh, that's so accurate. <laughs> I want to be offended by that, but there's nothing wrong with that statement. It's probably true. <laughs> All right. So she passes out on her feet. She's kind of like 
out on her feet, kind of the drugs have taken effect and she's half in, half out and woozy and dancing about. And it's at this point when she starts getting drugged that I'm wondering if the film itself is just one giant hallucinatory trip. And I'm trying to figure out, is it trying to be ironic? Is it this weird over the top, like trippy film? What is the intention behind all of this? Did I at some point get high and not realize it? <laughs> when I unwrapped the case, did I get dosed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's the specialty right there. Yeah. Is that why it's only limited to 3000? <laughs> it's a little touch of hair, a little touch acid every goddamn case <laughs> something like that <laughs> But then as she's sort of out on her feet from chugging that, the doc starts ordering Gary to go get things ready or something along those lines. And then she ends up sitting on the couch and just kind of like halfway passing out. And he's trying to, he starts explaining some things to her, but it's kind of an, in, not really intelligible. You can't really Did make I out what he's saying. put because too much sugar in your drink? There was no yeah. sugar at all there. You put in two pills and then water. He tells her what kind of drug it is and stuff like that. But then she just kind of, she's out of it. So you don't really understand what he's saying. And then they cut from this to the young, in quote, Mike of the group who is the stoner who for some reason I thought was named Steve so all through my notes I named him Steve ah, close enough so if you hear me say Steve folks I mean Mike and by Mike I mean the bald stoner guy who's clearly 50 yeah <laughs> doesn't belong in college <laughs> <laughs> alright so this Mike of the group study is doing some work at home at a table when they're showing him he's looking over a book and reading some stuff and it looks like it's just like a little telephone nook table it doesn't look like a study desk there's not enough room for that yeah he finds an article which he reads out loud so that is our next clip okay what's this an article little town february 1956 rocket scientist disappears federal authorities are seeking frederick bartholomew german rocket scientist in connection with a series of bizarre and so far unsolved mur murders his house in little town which served as his laboratory has been mysteriously vacated Hmm. Does that remind you of like early dubbed over video game stuff when you find yes. something and huh, what's that? Hmm. News article. Wonder if I should read that. I should. <laughs> and then you have a should he read this? Yes or yeah, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it felt yes. like, right? Yeah. Okay, so we find out that this uh original person that we're talking about here, the Bartholomew doctor that created this V2 rocket apparently got into some weird and hinky shit later on in his life and then started disappearing. Are you telling me the Nazi guy got into weird and hinky shit before the end of his life? Sus I refuse to believe such malarkey, sir. Suspected Nazi. I don't <laughs> think he's an actual Nazi. They don't really come right out and say that in the film. I'm going to go ahead and say he's probably a legit Nazi. <laughs> he's an ex-patriot, so... Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> Knowing what we know by the end of the film, I think you're safe to assume that he's a Nazi. <laughs> yes. You're, you're using prior knowledge where I'm pretending like I'm in the part of the notes where I still have no idea what's you going know, on. You I'm still going to say he's probably a Nazi. You're quick to pull that trigger on people. <laughs> I kind of am. Listen, man, if anything, if the last year has taught me anything, there's a lot of fucking Nazis hiding around, apparently. I thought they were all gone, but now... <laughs> if it looks like it reads Breitbart, yeah. <laughs> it's probably a Nazi. <laughs> Alright, so after this clip of him reading this newspaper article about the weird things that Bartholomew is up to, besides just reading about Breitbart News. <laughs> we see the Doc and Gary have packed up the car, including a very drugged Sally's body, who's sitting in the front seat, wrapped up in a sheet, as the Doc leaves town and heads on out to the highway, and he's driving off on this big highway road. And then... They just cut from that to the Doc and Gary loading stuff up in the house. That includes a giant trunk 
that Gary is being forced to carry. And the doc points out a door at the bottom of the house. It's like a basement apartment area of the house or something like that. Or it's like another level to the house. It has its own entryway. And he's like, don't go in there. Yeah, he says, that's where Bartholomew used to be kept. Whatever you do, don't go in there. Just stay away from it. You know, he's pointing out that it's extremely dangerous or something along those lines. And then they cut from that to the inside of the house as Doc has Gary heating up an iron while he hovers over a book with what I at first thought was a Zodiac symbol, but I'm guessing it's an Omega symbol just drawn very badly. Yes. It looked like the symbol for Leos in the Zodiac. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> it was a badly drawn Omega symbol. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not badly drawn Omega symbol. Maybe it is. It had some kind of symbol on it that's either an Omega symbol or the Leo symbol from the Zodiac. And then Gary is hesitant to do what the doc is asking, but the doc is insisting that they, quote unquote, do it to her, which he just says to Gary. And I'm like, hot iron, do it to her. Dear God movie, what am I about to see? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. And what happens is... Uh, I-, I got it. Yeah, I-, I have notes. Okay. okay. I-, I can read to you exactly what I saw on screen, and then you can confirm if this is what you you saw or not <laughs> he starts reading some gibberish and then is upset that gary has a boner man. while he's getting ready to do look whatever it is he's about to do look at you man you got a boner <laughs> and then sally wakes up during this and then begs him not to burn her gary starts getting very sheepish about it but still presses it up against her and burns her a little bit with the hot iron but then pulls it away so the doc demands that gary hand over the iron to him which gary does but he puts the hot iron right into his hand on the burning side to burn yeah. his hand with it, which creates friction, <laughs> a standoff with an iron, and is it a dumbbell? What the fuck was that thing? That I don't kept know. Hanging? Like one side of it looked like a dumbbell, dumbbell, and the other I side th- of it looked it like a shovel. Legit looked like a lamp. Was it a lamp? Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what that thing was. Listen, much like almost everything else in this movie, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I could not tell what that was, and I was watching the Blu-ray. I, I'm trusting on your answers here. <laughs> I thought it was a dumbbell, but then when it you see it later, it kind of looked like a lamp. Yeah, it it looked like a lamp that had the base broke off into the shape of a shovel. I don't, yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Whatever that was. So confused. They have a standoff where they're kind of like heading each other off and one's going to hit the other one with the iron. The other one's going to beat him with the dumbbell lamp or whatever it is. And then Doc just states that the iron is cold now and then kind of backs away and gets all kind of cowardly and then demands that Gary heat it back up again. Then the Doc heads on off to go tend to his hand and then sulk a little bit. Then he's in a room with a trunk that he then attempts to break open using a hammer and he does it in a completely weird and crazy way as Gary fawns over Sally. Now this is how the doc tries to bust open the lock of the trunk. He uses a claw hammer and he keeps hitting the little section in the middle where you would put an additional lock that sticks out the little loop that comes out. He's trying to push that open and push it to the side and that's not how that type of steamer trunk works. No. The lock is locked around that on the little circular part and he he doesn't at any point put the actual claw hammer part of the hammer behind that and then wedge it open like you could use it to break it. And do you think it's because like this belonged to somebody who, you know, they needed it back? No, I honestly think it was so they could get the gag of the guy hitting himself in the head with a hammer, which happens next. Oh, God. Because he's pushing on that with the bottom part of the hammer and then he slips and then hits himself square in the forehead. Yeah. I think this is like a gag or routine that this guy could do. Like this particular Mm -hmm. actor had like this way that he could fake hitting himself in the head with a hammer. If you put me in the movie, I can hit myself in the head with a hammer and make it look real and but make not it look actually real. injure myself i can three stooges that shit real good and it did it looked like he really yeah, hit himself it like he slapped himself in the face i was like what the fuck looks like he gave his noggin an old ringing but he hits himself in the head with the hammer when it slips off of that and then gary is still 
trying to get Sally loose, he ends up unchaining her and whatever, and she passes out from being burned. And he then ends up checking in on Doc, who's yelling and screaming or something like that. And then they cut from this to the other members of Sally's group, both Mike and Louise, are taking a van trip out to their launch site that was pointed out by their teacher. And then the victims that were killed at the very beginning by the guy in the Richard Nixon mask that stole that from them, we actually see their house as they drive past. And it's right next to the house that I'm assuming that Sally is held captive in because from what we could tell from seeing the house when they pulled up to it, it looked like it was right next door. Yeah. And Mike even points out that there's no houses around, man. And then he goes, oh, wait, there's one over there in the woods. Oh, God. There's another right next to it. Wow. That's it, though. Man, there's nothing out here. Well, there's a house, though. Oh, and there's another house right next to it. There's nothing else there. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Where's my hairline? (laughs) This is all right next to where this launch site is supposed to be, which is supposed to be a park. I think the teacher said it was a park, right? Yeah. All right. To me, it looks like an old strip mine. (laughs) It's, I mean, old strip mine. It looks like, they David, a park. It looks like uh, here's a spot on the side of the highway. That we just kind of shoved a bunch of rocks out of the way. Yeah. 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 I mean, that didn't look like any park I've ever seen before. <laughs> it's Yeah, I have no idea what it is or why it's there, but okay. They end up hitting something as they're pulling in to turn around in the park or whatever it is. It's like this big, loud crashing noise. The chemicals! We have chemicals in here! Right? That ends up dumping the lady's glasses off and breaking them and then spilling all the rocket parts and then... The Jinkies! My glasses broke! <laughs> and all the chemicals that are in the various containers go rolling around everywhere, which Mike has a little bit of a conniption fit about because he's afraid they might have exploded. Then they cut from that to Gary tries to explain why he untied the girl because he didn't want to have her chained up or something like that. Yeah. Then they talk about how Bartholomew's spirit must be nearby and that there's some sort of ritual that requires this live girl to be sacrificed, but they never state why it has to this girl, why any of that matters. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we just have to pretty much believe that because she's a main character, that's the only reason why she was the one that had to be kidnapped. I just don't. Is she the main character though? Is she? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who we're following. I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> who are we hitching? Who am I rooting for? <laughs> are we rooting for anybody or are we just kind of <laughs> lost in a sea of characters? I think we're lost in a sea of chaos. <laughs> and characters. Yes, chaos and characters. That just kind of ebb and flow in and out of our lives. Yeah. This makes this film ultra realistic because that's how life <laughs> that actually works. Like... <laughs> I'm still trying to decide whether or not this film is brilliant or just ineptly made. I don't know, man. I just don't know. <laughs> I can't tell. Oh my God. <laughs> they cut from this to the sunset as the other two partners, both Mike and Louise, are staring at the sun. And then the Mike character wakes up later in that night to see the rocket being being put together by Luis. Steve sees a dead cat in the van. We have no idea how it got there. We have no idea why it's there or how it showed up. A dead cat. Here's how all these interactions go. Oh, man. It's a dead cat. Hey, why did you have this dead cat in here? A dead cat? Where? Dead cat in the van. Dead cat in the van? <laughs> its guts are all over the place and stuff, but why do you have a dead cat in the van? There's a dead cat in the van? It's right here. Its guts are all over the place. Disgusting. You mean in the van? <laughs> I'm not lying, guys. <laughs> in my notes, I just wrote that he justifiably freaks out about this. I didn't. Oh well, yeah, I mean, if you see a dead cat in your van, you're gonna have a problem. <laughs> I don't even know if it's his van. It's be, not his van. To I, be honest, I don't even think it's Louise's van either. I think it's the school's van, <laughs> which explains why I probably broke down because education funding sucked even back then. Yes, right. All right, so Louise really has no care or concern about why a dead cat just shows up in their van, and this Mike character kind of collects it up in all the newspapers it was wrapped up in, and then. 
then stops for a moment to tell us and Louise that Bartholomew used to mutilate people and cats and animals like this. And then he just walks over to go and throw it away in a trash can. When Mike finally gets to the trash can, he happens upon a man's body that is wrapped around the trash can. Oh, could I do it? Or is it a clip? <laughs> and it is difficult for us to know what Steve is going to actually do with this dead man just there. He after- literally looks at it and goes, huh. And then turns around and walks away. <laughs> yeah, he looks around for a little bit and then he just drops the cat into the trash can. And then he walks over to Louise and tells her that there is a dead man by the trash can, which again, she seems absolutely unconcerned with. Dead man? Yeah. Trash can? Yeah. And he seems even less upset about or the- No, no. She goes, he goes, there's there's a dead man in the trash can over there. And she goes, a dead man in the trash? She seems completely unconcerned about this, and he's even less concerned or upset about finding a dead man by the trash can than he was about finding the dead cat near him. So, to be fair, you would be the same way. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I'd be more upset about how that cat died. Yeah, exactly. Because people you never know, the dude could have been an asshole. <laughs> fair enough. Cats are rarely, well, the cats are assholes, but there are kind of assholes. <laughs> yeah, but cats are noble creatures on top of that. Yes. They deserve our respect, and they're allowed to be assholes. Yes. People are assholes and know they shouldn't be and should yeah, be because better. people are not noble <laughs> so again cares nothing about the fucking dead guy that's there they just want to go take a look when they finally get back over to the trash can after deciding whether or not they believe each other that there is in fact possibly a dead body near this trash can there may be possibly some kind of sort of is a dead body there the dead body is immediately gone and the trash can is tipped over and they come from this to mike smoking up on a pinner joint of some sort i'm assuming that's marijuana the way he has it rolled might be hash i don't know <laughs> It's like a half a marijuana. Point five marijuana. It's not too far of a trip for Mike to be stupid, so I don't think he needs to keep puffing on that. Probably not. And at some point while he's puffing up, he demands that they go back to town and then says that he will drive. Okay, dude, you just totally toked up, and now you're telling this woman that you're going to drive the car. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. The van won't start, so he goes out to take a look, and then it turns out that the van is not starting because it has oil leaking everywhere. It's oil's leaking everywhere. It's busted. So they have pretty much nowhere to go. They are absolutely stuck. And then they cut from this to our next clip. My dad says that a college degree is as important as a high school diploma was when he was a kid. Hey, Joe, tell your dad to eat shit. Hey, Joe, you're going kind of fast. You better slow down. I'm full of hot man and I'm ready to go. Who does that dope think he is? Straight on the road like that? Hey, jerk, get out of the way. She give me the finger I think he is. No, he's just standing there. He's not doing anything. Get out of the road, you fucking zombie. Hey, I'm gonna fuck you, man. You gotta be the biggest, dumbest, ugliest, most fucked up I have ever seen. Look at him. He don't do nothing. He don't say nothing. You better be careful. He's a big mother. Okay, so here's the story. My God. The man that's in the Richard Nixon mask was in the middle of the road when this drunk guy goes zooming past, espousing about how a college education is as important today as a high school education was when his old man was a kid. His old man wasn't wrong. Even in the 80s, I would say that's true. That is very true. You might have been able to get away with only having a high school education in the 80s. Yes. But you were better off if you had a college education in the 80s. So that part's not wrong. I love how his girlfriend just says, fuck your old man or something like that. 
fuck your old man. It's like, <laughs> damn. She's immediately pissed about that. Maybe he's trying to talk her into going to college to leave him. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would be that nice, though. And so, as you heard in there, he's getting all, like, aggressive about the guy that he almost hit for just standing there in the road who never leaves the road. No. At any point. He hits him several times, which I kind of truncated out of there and, and clipped out. But he hits him, like, two or three times. He hits him in the face. He hits him in the gut. He hits him in the chest. And he's doing full force as hard as he can swings. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's throwing as much power into him as he can, or, or as far as the actor is portraying it. <laughs> right after the drunk asshat tries to pick the fight and punch him a bunch of times, the guy in the tricky dick mask, after several times of being hit, just does like an open ham slap across the guy's face. Just slaps the shit out of him. Puts him in, it just hits him once. Yeah, what's the five fingers say to the face? Slap. <laughs> he, he goes right across his face, gives him a big fucking bloody nose, spins him around a little bit, and then the guy immediately turns his whole entire demeanor is like, hey, man, no need to get worked up because he knows he's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> right after Tricky Dick slaps him in the face. And then Tricky Dick grabs the motherfucker and smacks his head on the car, like right up against the side of the car several times, and then jams his head into the wheel well of the car yeah. from what it looked like. Yeah. And then he just walks off. He just starts walking down the road he's, like it's no big deal. He's perfectly content with having that be it. Yeah, that's all he needed. That's it. That's all he wanted. Then the drunk idiot decides to jump in his car after he pops his head out of the wheel well, drives off, turns around, and then guns it right at the guy dressed in the tricky dick outfit. <laughs> he straight up runs him over, <laughs> and that leads to the most surrealistic part of the film. Oh, God. And our next mini clip. What's wrong with you? You just ran that guy over. You must have a low IQ. You, you can't be dead. Jesus. You can't be alive. Okay, so she comes to... You must have a real low IQ. <laughs> She comes to and yells at the guy for that, then realizes when his head is jammed into the steering wheel like it was the wheel well that he's dead because his brain looks like it's halfway squished out, as far as we can tell. Good God almighty. She looks at him like, you can't be dead. I'm not done busting your balls yet. <laughs> busting your chops, asshole. And then she sees the guy in the tricky dick outfit actually stand up right after they ran over him. You can't be alive. Yeah, and she's like, holy shit, you can't be alive. And then they cut from this to Louise is working on the rocket while Mike is working on his marijuana cigarette as we are forced to watch all of this in real time. The guy continues to puff as she continues to tinker around with a rocket that's already clearly built. What are we doing? <laughs> this feels like it goes on for a while. It really does. <laughs> oh, it drags on. Mike then delivers some info nuggets to us in our next clip. You know, I was at the library today reading about Bartholomew and you know what it said? It said that back in the 60s when the government got through with them, that he flipped out. He, he became this LSD guru. He started saying all kinds of crazy things. He got into black magic. And then all the people he was hanging out with started disappearing. And then he disappeared. People thought he, people thought he was dead, but, but no one knew. You think that pot is helping you to think straight? You're right. This stuff's making me paranoid. <sighs> Louise, we've got some chemicals. You think we could make a bomb or something with a rocket? I guess we could. Would that make you feel any better? It certainly would. I know me personally. Anytime I'm scared, I immediately feel better if you let me make a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, Ted Kaczynski? No, you can't prove a thing. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Where do you get those aviators? <laughs> Classy. Yeah, I know. It's right? a classy look. Yeah. 
especially with my beard <laughs> and the hoodie I'm that, wearing. That, that drawing was years ago, man. It was when you had a mustache, a classy mustache. Okay, so after the clip of info nuggets that were dropped on our chest by Mike, we see him attempting to make his bomb as he was talking, and then Louise is actually making a rocket launcher and then explains to us and Mike how to use it just by pulling on this one thing to trigger it or something along those lines. And so they both feel a lot safer as then Steve takes the rocket launcher that she hands to him and then starts patrolling the van's quote-unquote perimeter (laughs) by walking back and forth in front of the main open door completely ignoring the back door of the van hanging wide open or the other side of the van they cut from this to doc reading the book with the omega symbol or the possible symbol for the leo from the zodiac i can't tell yeah as a maggot drops onto it from pretty much nowhere or the ceiling or something like that and then you looks around a little bit and then another one drops and then he talks to Gary about this particular problem with the maggots and he says that his brain is apparently infested with bugs and maggots yeah, yeah they're eating his brain yeah he thinks that they're eating his brain and I'm starting to wonder if maybe that's what's happening to me because at this point the film starts making a little more sense I kind of feel like I know where this is going really <laughs> I kind of did maybe the bugs are in your brain now that's what I said <laughs> because I felt like I understood what was going on at this point. I know. All right, so he has Gary actually check out all of the openings in his head, which again, makes sense. If you think there are bugs in your brain, they probably would be coming out of some part of it. Yeah, right. But there's none in the ears, there's none at the nose, there's none in the mouth. He looks on all the orifices opening in his head. Didn't actually check his eyes to see if they were floating around in there. No. Might not have been a bad idea. Should have probably gouged his eyes out. (laughs) And then he falls over proclaiming the bugs are eating his brain and that Bartholomew is near and that he needs to get at Sally. Yeah. Whatever that means. He needs to get at Sally. Not sure what he's referring to that other than possibly burning her chest with an iron? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the hell it it was. I don't know, Court. Why are you asking me? I'm not. I'm just, I'm putting it out there into the universe and eventually expecting an answer back. (laughs) And you are met with what you're always met with when you put something out to the universe. Constant consternation. Stunning silence. (laughs) Half dozen of one, six of the other. (laughs) All right, so Gary refuses to placate him and then even includes Sally in rebuking him about taking a hammer to the head. He thinks yeah. that that's what might be wrong with him. It might yeah. not be actually... Must have been the hammer shot to the head. It's not maggots eating your brain. I think you're just a little bit confused because you smashed your head with a hammer. And they did a pretty decent bruise makeup on his head. It makes me think he cracked his own skull a little yeah. bit. It doesn't swell up I like mean, he yeah. it. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's all fucked up, though. Yeah, it's kind of dented in more than yeah. swollen up like you would get when you crack a skull. Trust me, I know what it looks like when you crack a skull bone. Yeah, I think I've seen that before. I wonder where. <laughs> Don't make me memory wipe you again. Oh, God. Wait, from this movie? (laughs) No, I'll leave that behind. I'll make you think you watched it twice. This movie is a memory wipe. (laughs) Kind of is. All right, so Sally ends up trying to manipulate Gary in order to escape, but Gary is not buying into any of her shit and then offers to clean up the place. She says something about they should go out or they should take a walk together or he should undo her ankle pain or something like that. She tries once. Yeah. Then he says, but if we go outside, then you'll talk to other guys and then I'll get angry and do something or something along those lines. Well, he says he'll find someone better than me and that'll drive me crazy. Or she'll find someone else and yeah. that'll drive him crazy. She'll talk to anybody else but him and it'll drive him crazy. And so he's not falling for that and then he ends up offering to clean up the place and then he ends up finding an old record player that was just sitting right there out in the middle of the floor and then he fiddles with it a little bit as Sally tries to get him once again to unlock her chains and let her go. But then Gary plays some 
Pretty decent sounding garage rock to try and soothe Sally. As we see the woman from the accident that happened earlier in the film, in case you were wondering what happened to her. <laughs> she <laughs> somehow wandered into the house. Yeah, she wanders up the long staircase on the outside of the house. Clearly, they were on the same Highway 5 or whatever that this horror house is on, because that's where the horror house is, Matt. It's on Highway 5. Highway 5. So they were probably on Highway 5. Yeah. And, and there's a horror house there. Horror. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Six of one, half dozen of the other. <laughs> uh, so she ends up wandering up the staircase and then inside of the house there. And she wanders in and she's asking for help, justifiably so. She was just in an accident and watched Richard Nixon get up from the grave. Yeah. I mean, that's horrifying to anybody. I don't care Listen, who you Dick are. Dick Nixon got out of the grave. And, uh, after you ran him over with your car, yeah, Dick after Nixon ran over the car, up. And uh, we ran him over a car after he beat the shit out of my boyfriend. Uh, I guess. With maybe, one is slap, that who it was? Yeah. With one slap. And then shoved his head into the, the wheel well of the car. The wheel well of the car, yeah. which he survived because he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the slap had no damage to the brain. And she is immediately grabbed by the dock when she wanders in begging for help. And because it was happy and cheerful, that is our next clip. Don't let him take her. Do something. Boy, I can't save the world. He's going to kill her. No, no, I don't think he will. Well, he might. Well, then just don't think about it, okay? Well, why aren't we having any fun? Well, little Gary could be quite the young Republican. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's not going to kill her. Well, he might, but just, just, just don't think, think about, about it, okay? okay? Why aren't we having any fun? <laughs> I swear, I'm a little bit scared, but I think those exact three lines have been stated in the Trump White House at least once. <laughs> Probably by the fucking president himself. Yes. That's what I'm scared about. In that order. Yelling at Molina. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, they're going to kill those people. No, he probably won't. Well, maybe they will. <laughs> but just don't think about it. You know, it'll be fine. Why aren't we having Tre any fun? Why aren't we having any tremendous fun? Tremendous. Bigly fun. <laughs> okay, so this leads to a chase scene as the girl from the accident breaks into the door down at the basement. So it's a very short-lived chase scene. She runs down the stairs and into the very first door she sees, which is the door that was basically told to Gary and everyone in the audience not to go anywhere near because mm -hmm. the doc said hey bad idea the doc even tells her hey don't go in there you don't want to go in there you don't want to go in there and then after she goes in there sometimes dead is better he tells her once again hey do not go down there and then he even says to her hey look lady it's your funeral <laughs> we see she is in some form of what looks like a utility room at first and it's all lit up kind of red and then she wanders through a hallway and it looks like a regular apartment or a basement apartment of some sort and then she is attacked by the guy in the tricky dick mask whom she tries to tell to relax and to calm down yeah, and just relax man the center is mind or something like you that need to, you need to find your chi yeah like he, he says something about put your mind at ease relax find your center or something some hippy dippy bullshit that doesn't work yeah and then she starts screaming as we hear him throttling her i guess and then they cut from this we assume she's dead we don't know they cut from this to the van as mike decides to walk through the houses down the road in the pitch black like a fucking idiot Idiot. Yes. For being the guy who's so fucking scared about everything, you needed to be surrounded by bombs to, like, you know, calm down. Why the fuck did he leave the comfort of the bombs? Because he's high? Oh, God damn. Marijuana's, man. You see what it does to you, Matt? Maybe it should be illegal. It makes you look like you're 55 when you're a college student and make bad choices on Highway 5. <laughs> of Highway 5. It leads you to a horror house that yeah. happens to be on Highway Wait, 5. It will lead me to a horror house? Horror house. Oh, yeah. Don't want to go there. Horror house on Highway 5 is completely <laughs> different completely different it's a lot more welcoming yes it is and a lot cleaner uh-huh well, maybe not a lot <laughs> <laughs> so he wants to head down the road to look at the two houses
houses to see if he can call for help because he's tired of being stranded there and he's panicking even more. Louise is completely unafraid, so she allows Mike to just take the rocket launcher thing that she made with him. Mike heads to the very first house, finds that the car door is now hanging wide open, and walks up to the front door of the house. He wanders in saying hello a shitload of times, yelling hello. Then he he even says, hey, I'm going to turn on the light. I hope that's okay. And when he does, he finds two corpses of the first victims laying out there right in the front of the house, right there for anyone to discover right as they walk in the door. That's okay. I guess I'll leave now. I wrote it down. He literally Mm. shouts, never mind. I'll use the phone down the street and walks out the house. I'll go to that whorehouse down the street. Horror. No, no, no. The whorehouse down the street. He's already at the whorehouse. It's further down on Highway 5. They passed it already. Yeah, you passed it. Yeah. You took a left in Albuquerque. He's got a longer way to run down to the whorehouse on Highway 5. Anyway. I want that movie to be made now. I want to star in that movie. Now I don't want to watch that movie anymore. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> then he darts off to the titular house, which is the horror house on Highway 5. And he drops the rocket as he's <laughs> running towards the door of the house or towards the staircase to lead up to the door. And then, because he's stoned and a fucking idiot, he can't find the thing and he feels around for it and can't see it and he just keeps looking and looking. But, you know, he must have tunnel vision or some shit from the marijuanas. <laughs> then he immediately starts climbing the stairs and then finds another door hanging wide open. He says, Hello, a shitload more, and then walks in, asking if anyone is home so he can use the phone. A noise that sounds kind of like a snapping wet towel happens, which... Yeah. Yeah, which causes a cut on Mike's arm for some reason. And then we see Mike wandering in the dark with the sounds of footsteps going on all around him. And then he reaches out into the dark and then falls over for some reason. All the while, the strange noises occur all around him. He follows along the wall, which is the first smart thing that Mike does, and then starts crawling through a hole in the wall and then towards some light that he sees on the other side, which leads him to the outside. And then that whooshing, snapping sound happens, and that's when blood starts being drawn on his body and then the back of his head. And it's at this point I realized that that's like a whip or like the sound of like an invisible... Knife flashing. That's what I thought. It's some type of invisible tool. I assumed it was a whip because of the cracking wet towel. Yeah, me too. But then I thought the way the cuts were happening it was more like a knife. Well, it's invisible. Whatever it is, we can't see it and neither can he. So he's being attacked by some malevolent spiritual force or something something as far as i can tell that's like whooshing at him and cutting him up and stuff yeah and then at some point another couple of swipes happen and then we see blood starting to spray out of the side of mike's neck he does a three stooges rake step yeah which smacks him square in the face of the rake really bad and then he kind of stumbles around and then face plants right on the fucking rake <laughs> impaling himself <laughs> face first through the forehead with the rake this does not and i want to repeat this does not kill him as he then rolls over and complains about how the, is you not dead and complains about the pain of the rake in his forehead <laughs> and he stands up <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck is going on in this movie <laughs> It's at this point that I decided I loved the movie and I didn't care. <laughs> when he falls- 
falls on the rake. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm in. Fuck it. This movie's great. Uh, this is worth every penny I paid for this, for this Blu-ray. It's not an A. It's not an A. It's an E for enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Seriously, man. when he falls on the rake head first oh. and then just goes, oh, my head, it rolls over and stands up. I'm like, I'm laughing now. I did for like 10 minutes. My head. Every time they show him, I bust up laughing. The marijuana's, man, it helped him out. Must have been. His brain was used to that kind of <laughs> <Yeah. a> d- <laughs> abuse. <laughs> okay. So he stands up with the rake. He stands up with the rake in his head. And then we see the guy in the tricky dick mask is in the window in the background. And he's kind of doing this like ethereal movement with his arms. Like, yes. Like I was in control of it the whole time or something. And he's like, hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> he's like, hey, that rake looks like it hurts. You want to come over here hey. and I'll finish you off? Hey, 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 watch out for the rake. Watch out for the rake. Oh, he didn't watch out for the rake. And this happens as the injured Mike walks out of frame with the rake sticking out of his yes. head. They cut from this to Louise sleeping under the stars when a rustling noise wakes her from a dead sleep. We see a bit of a first person slasher type vision from the tree that is watching her and the rustling noise is very clearly the person not caring about being quiet in the tree over there. No, fuck that. Louise finally starts getting scared about what's happening, then gathers her things up into the van and we see she has sort of locked herself in. She has all the doors shut. She then tries to get the small radio working that she was working on earlier in the movie for some reason. And when she can't seem to get that radio working, she goes out to look around and is spooked by something we are never shown and then darts right back into the van yeah locking it up i mean she goes all around locks up the van rolls up the windows make sure she locks all the doors locks the back of the door of the van everything and then we see a shot of tricky dick just to the left side of the top part of the windshield coming up over top of it and then we hear the sound of what would be a thud and i'm thinking he landed on top of the van so they're giving him these sort of supernatural jumping powers where he jumped up on top of the van yes. i think well he's kind of got superpowers this whole time apparently something that's weird ethereal stuff that we can't quite explain yeah. there's some like real phantasm shit going going on yeah, with this yeah. movie. <laughs> and then we hear something bashing on the frame to the side of the van. And as it's bashing, we actually see the frame of the van warping in when it hits every time. Yeah. And then he tries the back door of the van and starts pulling on it and really starts cranking the fuck out of the doorknob and a bunch of other stuff. And she's freaking out and kind of moving away from that back door and then looks at the side door and the lock and kind of eyeballs it. And then we actually see he breaks the fucking handle off the door and actually ends up prying the door wide open in the back door of the van. But as this happens, she gets the side door unlocked and opened and makes a break for it. Tricky Dick comes out of the van in pursuit through the side at her. She runs past the very first house, completely ignoring the open car door and not trying to look for keys or anything like that. Fuck that. That's a way out. She doesn't want that. And then they cut to Gary rocking out to the garage rock he's been playing on the records when Sally tries to use dancing with her as a way to trick him into unlocking her from the chains. It works because she points at her ankle and then Gary gets pretty fucking grabby with her right off the bat. She gets Gary to do his dance once again. Like she's really good at talking to crazy. Yeah. I think she probably could have maintained a relationship with somebody like me pretty probably, well. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, she probably could have gotten you to unchain her a couple times. You know, you think I would stop falling for that. <laughs> you would, but you don't. It's, I'm telling you, people would be surprised, but court, it's the call of the dance. It always clouds your judgment. I just want to dance. I know. I know. 
real funny. I know. <laughs> she gets Gary to do this little dance on his own that he was doing earlier to show. And then he does this like circle as he's dancing when he's throwing his arms around and, and looks like he's having a seizure and walking in circles. And then she sneaks past him the very first time that he does it and then pretends like she's dancing at the other side of the room trying to learn his dance. And then on the second time around when his back is to her, she starts heading right for the damn door and running off as best as she can as soon as his back is turned. We then see Gary run right out the door for her and she is immediately grabbed and dragged back in and he shackles her hands down yelling and screaming at her. This time he's seriously enraged by what she just did where she tricked him. Yes. Then they cut from this to Louise who to me at this point is the real hero of the film and the person I really want to follow. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Most attractive person in the film to me seems to be the smartest because she built a rocket and I'm clearly all the bombs and then the rocket launcher thing. Uh Fixed a radio or at least attempted to. Has done things right so far when she got spooked she tried to lock herself in the van when they broke in she ran off so far i'm rooting for louise yeah so far she's the person i'm hanging my hopes on at this point in the film hanging my hat on louise at this point i I don't care what happens to anybody else in the film so long as louise makes it through at this point Uh, you know i'm not with you on that i don't really care what happens to anybody in this film (laughs) well aren't you but i'm more than rooting for louise right now (laughs) i just kind of developed a crush on her i don't know maybe it was the pigtails maybe and it was Mm. probably the probably the pigtails all right so Louise arrives at the house and walks into the room where Sally is chained up and she's like hey if I knew it was that kind of party I would have brought my own bondage gear no wait that was what was going on yeah that was you when I come back to reality and realize what's going on in the film yeah she unlocks the (laughs) chains were you dancing again (laughs) yes she unlocks the chains or at least tries to she ends up finding the keys as directed by Sally she gets the chains done but then Gary arrives to lurch slowly at Sally as she lays there screaming but not trying to run in any way, shape, or form. No, because... Come on, man. Because she's not Louise, and Louise is smart because she fucking darts off. Yes. And it feels like hours with her just laying there screaming before he finally gets there to choke her. Yeah. And then Louise is kind We're of- We're hour seven of the screaming. And slow lurching towards the struggle of her death. Well, Louise then runs off, and we see her in the Bartholomew place because, of course, that's where she's going to end up. That's where everybody else ran to. Yeah. She's looking for a way out and ends up seeing a small, not- Nazi flag, like a real tiny little Nazi flag like symbol thing that's right there on the wall. And then we hear that whooshing sound that continues to happen. This whooshing noise ends up causing a cut on her face. And it's at this point where I'm convinced it's probably a whip because it sounded like a little bit of a wet towel crack with that Something squish. again. Yeah. And then this noise chases her in a very Evil Dead 2 style down the hallway. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I was yeah. like, ah. Then she runs into the car ride girl who is laying there dead in a closet. She opens the door and the girl falls on top of her. All of this this is set to very discordant violins and weird lower end uh, like maybe like a cello discordant score with the violins mixed in. Then we see Tricky Dick arrives at the house. Louise suddenly has gray hair in one of the shots like she pops up and it looks like it might be a wig or maybe she's supposed to have gone crazy and her hair is all gray at this point. I have no idea. Yeah, this scene was shot like seven years later. <laughs> it's entirely possible. We'll, we'll get to that but the, her hair is completely different and sort of grayish and I'm not even sure why. And then as she rounds the corner, she then bumps into Mike, who still has the rake sticking out of his head, complaining about how bad the rake hurts that's sticking in his head. He specifically asks her not to pull out the rake. Do not touch the 
rake. Don't Do not pull on the rake. Pull the rake out. Don't look at the rake. Don't breathe on the rake. <laughs> Just leave it. Uh, pretend it's not here. It's He's consigned himself to living with the rake stuck in his head. Look past the rake. <laughs> and see the mic beneath. Yeah. <laughs> but she pulls the rake out anyway. Yeah, but he asked you not to. Apparently that was the only thing keeping him alive because he then falls over dead. <laughs> I'm assuming he's keeping everything on the inside. I'm assuming at this point that he's dead or that he falls over dead because Louise just kind of looks at him. He ends up running out of the fucking house down the outside staircase once again. They cut from this to the doc writing a letter to Gary, which made absolutely no sense to me, but apparently is supposed to sum up the plot <laughs> in our final clip. Dear Gary, before I go... I must tell you a few things. We are brothers. Bartholomew is our father. He is around here someplace. The last I saw him, he was dressed up like a former president. I know he was very proud of Richard Nixon. You can waste your time playing around with that girl, but I must be about my father's business your reluctant brother mabuza md md in this case stands for medical deviant from yeah i would agree (laughs) the doc no that's it it's a tiny little bow i totally understand everything now in a weird way it does kind of wrap up the logic of the storytelling um he clearly puts up with gary because he's related to him and he knew this and gary doesn't Yes. They're both mentally ill. Yes. I would assume that their father, Bartholomew, when he got into acid, started feeding both the kids a lot of acid. Probably. While their brains were developing, and this is what left them to be what they are. Yes. I'm backling in a whole bunch of my own story over top of this to try and make sense of it. Either or, something caused them to be mentally incapacitated, but somehow they're able to function enough to where they can own a home, or this might be Bartholomew's home in the city, and then he had a home that he had in the country when he was working on the rocket. Yeah. Or whatever. Who knows? That kind of wraps it up. Bartholomew's not actually dead. That's him running around in the fucking Richard Nixon mask. Yes. And he's killing people that way. Yeah. But that doesn't explain the spiritual aspect of the stuff other than the guy got into the occult. So maybe there's a demon living in the room that he summoned. Or he's just into the occult. Or maybe Bartholomew is possessed as well. And that's part of the demon stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, while he is writing this, we actually see it is just a bunch of gibberish on the paper. He's reading it as he's writing it. Like, you yeah. get that narration but when you look at the paper like what he intends to write and what he's writing is completely different yes it's very clear that this Ugh. guy is nuts as shit and he's wearing this paper mache helmet with a swastika painted on it the entire time oh my god <laughs> and then after writing it he plays with an old hand drill and then Louise ends up finding the car that Doc and Gary brought up when they drove up with uh, poor Sally the keys are still in it and then she looks around and as she goes to open the door, the crazy ass doc shows up and then drills her arm with his fucking hand drill. Then he licks the blood off of her arm. Louise stands there staring at him in shock for a moment and then darts off. She ends up finding the makeshift rocket launcher that we were talking about earlier and then runs off with it. Doc is all about that fucking hand drill as he's trying to chase Louise. He's more focused on working that hand drill and watching it go. He's either tripping balls or he's having flashbacks from all the times he got dosed as a child. I can't tell which. Yeah. Louise gets back to the van and then starts trying to prep the rocket, all the while bent over and not facing the direction of where the doc is coming. And I'm thinking she's setting up doc, trying to make him feel confident that everything's going to be fine, that he can sneak around her, even though she jumped over the traps. 
And then he goes to walk up to her and he triggers off one of those trap bombs, which looks like set up to be like a blinder bomb because it's a big bright flash. Yeah. And I think it blinded him, right? It looks like it might have blinded him. Like he I think so. Shit. Like he just can't see anymore. Either that or he's so fucking crazy he doesn't care what's happening to him because Louise then finds the doc obsessing over the drill just kind of laying there and pulls out a tire iron from the rocket launcher? Was that the object she was going to launch? Or was that by the rocket launcher in the van? I, I don't know. But she grabs the tire iron and then starts beating him about the head with it. Well, good. It, she hits him like 50 fucking times with this fucking tire iron, man. She's yeah. really beating him in the brain. Yeah. It doesn't really kill him at first. Well. Then he kind of falls down while Louise sort of wanders off into the field. And I'm assuming he might die or maybe he doesn't. I don't know. And then she just wanders off into the field that's by the van where they're at and then she is jumped by the guy in the tricky dick mask which we now know for sure is Bartholomew whom she shoots with the rocket launcher finally um, someone shot the rocket launcher I think she hit him right in the fucking brain pan too it looks I, like she, I hit, think him in she hit him in the chest it, I thought it looked like more like it was like a straight body shot well it looked like it hit him in the head because his head was kind of caved in when she goes to pull off the mask the mask was caved that's in a little true. bit that's true alright yeah. maybe I don't know I don't know man I don't know it looked like a chest hit to me when she goes to pull the mask off it's very clear that he's not alive and that he hasn't been for a while yeah but he ain't exactly dead either no so whatever nefarious weird shit he's been into it's kept his body going he is undead he grabs her leg but she immediately finds a way to kick free and then run some more into the night the movie fades to white that's right he runs off into the night but the movie fades to white yes then we see gary is very romantically slow dancing with the corpse of sally and i suddenly understand where gary's coming from (laughs) now he's the most relatable character in this film for you (laughs) i feel heartbroken for what gary's had to endure and i hope that he and sally have a very happy life together they can't have a happy life together (laughs) only one can have a happy life there's only one's alive all right all right chill you don't know what a corpse can experience for love god jesus christ man he seems upset whenever he drops sally or when he lets her go at the end of the slow dance and then her corpse falls to the ground so i think he realizes there that she's dead and he seems rather upset with that or what he might have done when he killed her i think he finally realizes that she's absolutely dead we then cut back to see Louise coming to in the morning. She passed out somewhere in the night in the field and then starts looking around and seeing that she almost made it to the major highway that Highway 5 is bypassed by or something like that. Yeah. She then stumbles towards this main highway and then climbs a fence to flag down a car that if she tries to anyway. Finally, a van stops, which is a rental van, to pick her up, which is a big warning and a no-no, but the guy seems nice enough at first. She's pretty much nearly catatonic at this point, and I don't think she realizes the situation she's gotten herself into. Mm -hmm. The guy asks her where she's going, and then he continues to ask her to get in the back because he's got hot cocoa and blankets and he can make her comfortable. He even says that they're going to stop at the next call box and it'll be fine. He'll make the call and while they wait for the police, she can lay down in the back and get some hot cocoa and all this other stuff. She looks down and notices that there is a death card and a candle, but she seems to shine that on like it's nothing. (laughs) She tries to get her shit together to tell him what happened, but he then shifts to super creepy, gets grabby with her hardcore as he pulls over for that call box. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah, I did. And then once they stop over at the call box, he then insists she get into the back of the van like he's not taking no for an answer. And when she opens the door, of course, Tricky Dick is back there. Bartholomew is there. And then he starts trying to drag her in. She ends up biting his wrist right at the hand, ends up breaking free. Her hair changes once again to that weird grayish wig looking thing that makes no sense why it's there. And then as the van drives off, 
it's back to normal and the door slams shut when you see her in the distance the tricky dick guy lets the band door and drives off the film goes to black and then roll credits that was an adventure of what (laughs) i have no idea it's at that point in the film when the tricky dick guy pops up again that i'm like okay so maybe this cult hasn't fallen apart yeah maybe bartholomew is kept in a certain place and then every now and then he's let out yeah for a little bit maybe the teacher is a part of that cult and sent those three kids yeah that's what i'm saying the teacher has to be in on this you don't just send people to a fucking middle of nowhere see that fucking guy yeah (laughs) he's got cult member written all over yeah he looks more like a cult member than both of us yes and we really Really pretty culty (laughs) we look like the kind of people that would be like yes master i will dismember them for you Mm, mm, kool-aid sounds tasty (laughs) yes have some (laughs) do i want some yes have some going through the notes now and trying to kind of piece together what it was that i watched makes a lot more sense to me than just finishing the movie and i will watch i'll agree talking it out kind of helped me out i will watch this again will you i will watch the documentary that goes along with it to do one of these for a movie night with everybody you know what this would be perfect this uh, this this goes along perfectly with the room this is very much uh, that kind yes. of film oh my god big time like it's it feels like someone was trying really really hard to get across this really surrealistic vision it's definitely made better than the room ever will be yeah i mean there's actually shot composition it's not acted that well no but you get that with a lot of these kind of movies there's yeah. a lot of amateur actors you can't help it but there's definitely something more going on here that this person is trying for than what the room did yeah i think what's happening here is they're trying for a big vaulted jump into the surrealistic storytelling and they miss the mark and die horribly I was about to say, missed the mark. They like didn't come close to the mark. No, they didn't hit the landing ramp in any no. way, shape, or no. form. This is like trying to launch over a canyon and yeah. then the parachute fails on the way down when yeah, you miss yeah. the other <laughs> side. And you plummet to your death. Yeah, yeah. But the result of the film is something that I cannot look away from and I'm transfixed by. The spectacular car wreck. I need to know more about this film. I need to know everything that I can well, about the you got a documentary to watch. I got a bunch of shit in the special features that I need to know yeah. more about this movie. Like, legit, I am obsessed with what- I was thinking this could be a movie we riff. <laughs> I sadly respect it too much for that. <laughs> I see passion in this film that I have to respect. It's like when we talked about the Jim Van Beber films where i'm like yeah it's not a good film mm-hmm. but it's a good film <laughs> <laughs> he tried hard yeah <laughs> yeah the passion hard the passion and the love and everything is in this film and i see it and i can feel it and i can see the creative juices that that were used to form this sculpture of a film that i still can't tell what the fuck it's supposed to be <laughs> all right all right fine <laughs> god damn why are you selling me on this stop it because like, you're making good points but shut up <laughs> i can't help it man like I seriously bad. I get it. Man, I get what you're saying. You're not wrong. No, earnestly, I don't want to feel this way about know, this I film. Know, I know, I know. And now you're making me feel about this way I, about the movie. I know. Because now I'm starting to see, yeah, some guy really fucking cared enough to try to make this movie. Right? The passion and the love. And here's the thing. I do know he started filming this thing on nights and weekends in 1978. Yeah. It didn't get released until 1985. Oh, yeah. So that lady aged. That's seven fucking years. Yeah. It took to get this film done. Uh, all, f- right, all right, all right, all right. The fucking drive just to do this movie, right? Yeah, okay, let's. I feel like the story behind the film is vastly more interesting and entertaining than the film itself is ever going to be for me. Yes, and then knowing that story will make me enjoy the film the more I watch it. All right, all right, all right. enough with the Kevin Ke- Kevin Costner speech. Fuck it, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so yes, you probably do need to see this movie. Yes, and, and watch no, it. And no, nothing we've said in this review no. will spoil the movie for you no, at all. No, because you're going to fucking enjoy it. You yeah. have to experience it yourself you're to either, know. You're either going to fucking enjoy it, or you're going to send us emails just hating us for suggesting to watch it. But until you experience it, but the you way have to experience it. it. You have to. You've got to feel it. <laughs> Listen, I kind of felt the same way Court did. I didn't want to admit it because I just want to <laughs> shit on the movie. <laughs> But the asshole gushed so much. Fine. All right. I get it. Yes. I felt that whoever made this movie, this was definitely a labor of love. I know. And you have to respect that passion. Yes. I know. I get it. I respect it. (laughs) Fuck, man. But I'm angry about it. I know. It's such a frustrating movie. (laughs) I don't don't want to respect anyone for making what is a pile of garbage. It's a pile of hot garbage. But I respect the man for putting that hot garbage together. But is it though? Did he do it this way intentionally? I don't know! <laughs> That's what's so different. God damn it! Because if he did this intentionally, it's fucking genius! I know, it's so brilliant, it's and a, I don't want it to be! It's Andy Kaufman levels of awesome! I know! <laughs> oh. This has got to be the most rewarding impulse buy I've had oh. in a long time. This is what Cinema Psyops is about, because I am mind fucked right now. <laughs> and with that, we will take a little break here. We will play a promo ah. for another podcast. We'll have a little bit of music, and when we come back, hopefully Matt got his shit back together. This is not a test. This is the Psychosemantic Podcast. Announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Weapons of class 4 and lower have been authorized for use during the purge. All other weapons are restricted. Government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed. A few days ago, I called the news the enemy of the people, and they are. They are the enemy of the people. We have Ben Jacobs, that's the guardian of the Body slammed tonight by the Republican candidate Greg Forte. Living with a six-year-old. Being rushed is fast. It makes me nervous. But that is one big pile of shit. Well, then you two learned a very important lesson today. Cops don't help. It's a train! Now's not the time for fear. That comes later. Can you fly, Bobby? In the 20th century, the Senate voted on seven Supreme Court nominees during election years, and it approved all but one. So just to, just to put a button on this, are you ruling it out 100%? Yeah. Are you crazy? Is that your problem? Politics, movies, political movies. The Psychosemantic Podcast. Better known as the Psychosemanticast.
Oh boy, <laughs> my head still hurts from the last segment laughing. I'm lightheaded. I know. I'm woozy over here. Oh uh, man, I hope that I'm, I'm recuperating. woozy over here. <laughs> I feel like I got slapped by a guy in a Richard Nixon mask. I know, right? <laughs> Feeling like my head was shoved into my wheel. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't try and run the guy over with his girlfriend in the car. That would have been pretty fucking awesome, uh, right? <laughs> I guess there's a sequel to it, so now we're gonna well, have to maybe, try and find yeah, that. Oh god. <laughs> Let's see if we have more threads loosened. Mother, mother Jesus. <laughs> Who knows? Mm-hmm. It might be really, really good. It may be. But do you know what's really, really bad, Matt? What's that? Give me some PSYOP news. I'm going to give you the decision. Which article do you want read? And I'll do both of the uh, headlines. First one, Chinese dating apps closed after women revealed to be robots. Okay. Or neo-Nazi conspiracy theory. Jews are trying to get America stoned on legal marijuana. We got to do the marijuana. All one. right. <laughs> I feel like we ripped the marijuana, so we need to do that one for sure. Marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. Newsweek, neo-Nazi conspiracy theory. Jews are trying to get America stoned on legal marijuana. Marijuana. If you like to get stoned, the failing alt-right scene might not be the political movement for you. Neo-Nazis are pretty good people. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> you didn't see. That's why I chose yeah, this one. Yeah, I knew that yeah. that was going to probably happen. Crime scene sex. I'm into that. Well, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, neo-Nazi website Daily Stormer. Oh, my God. Someone Oof. fucking wreck that site, please. Hey, bro, I can't get it up. You mentioned that site. Now I'm broken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Which has celebrated criminal activities such as pedophilia and domestic violence in recent months. This is like traces of death fucked to porno. Apparently. Doesn't want its white young male followers token up because Jews are behind the burger, the uh, beginning legal marijuana industry, according to a post on the website on Thursday. This is not the sickness with which I am down. <laughs> Quote, it is personally disgusting to me that we are condemning a generation of children to grow up baked in this noxious substance. It's a thing. But there is there is now <laughs> huge public support for it. End quote. Website editor Andrew Engling. By the way, that last name is spelled A-N-G-L-I-N. So you know he's a fuckhead. Mm, corpse fucking. Mm, well, he probably does. Anyway, he complained in a post about the Trump administration potentially pushing back against marijuana consumption and distribution. This is like traces of death fucked to porno. Most, quote, most of the marijuana industry, I can assure you, is run by Jews. I'm end homosexual. Quote. What a fuck. England. I'm so scared and the only cure for it is semen. <laughs> England, who should be noted, offers up no evidence to support his claim. Listen, that the I legal- can fuck any face, but goddamn the smell, my friend. You can't turn off the nose. I'm almost sure neo-Nazi has a, a foul odor to them. Um, that may replace your other clip. (laughs) (laughs) You're being such a good sport right now. Oh my God. Anyway, uh, it should be noted offers up no evidence to support his claim that the legal marijuana industry is being promoted by Jewish people. Anti-Semitic conspiracies form the basis for much of the website's content and, uh, and follow a basic formula. America is a bunch of cunts. Oh God, this is going to be hurtful (laughs) formula. Oh God. I can't. And I quote, Jewish people are repeatedly blamed for every problem white Christian men face. Unquote. Damn it. 
I was uh, like, I was like getting ready to hit a clip, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I'm like, wait, 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 wait for wait, it, wait for uh, it. You shouldn't have warned me ahead of time. I know. Uh, the it issue will be coming on my face. The issue is in part of a hot topic because legal recreational weed started being sold on January 1st in California. I'm blowing this the, dog to show dominance. <laughs> the latest state to join the more than a dozen that allow consumption of the drug. It's micro penis time with humongous balls. Despite that growing public acceptance of marijuana use, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, you know, the elf lord, and others may attempt to crack down. I think that's going in the spank bank. <laughs> I have no idea why. I don't know why. It's former, weird what turns me on these days. Former... <laughs> former, <laughs> former Ku Klux Klan leader David Duke, a member of the old guard of white supremacists, has similarly paranoid views and has been speaking out against legal marijuana. Quote, come on, Jeff Sessions... Get serious and do your job, end quote, Duke tweeted, referring to California's pot law. How can you pass laws in contrast to existing federal laws? Aren't all these motherfuckers for state rights? And the only solution (laughs) is cash. Weren't all these fuckers for states' rights at one point in time in their lives? You're talking about fascist assholes. Oh, yeah, they don't stick to anything. Nothing other than what they want and then laws to make what they want happen. Oh, you mean spineless pricks. They don't care about states' rights unless it's their particular state that passes a law that they're Unless it means that they can own somebody. Right. They care about the state's right when it comes into them like being owning a, a person. Yeah, yeah like, no, I know, I know. Or keeping up a monument to someone that owned, that owned a person that loved owning people. In yeah, fact, that, that just that, owned people, loved owning people, and not only loved owning people, but fought for the right to yeah, own oh, people. They really wanted to own people. Yeah. They wanted to own people so bad they're willing to kill other people to do it. Right. Yeah. Those monuments, they want to keep those up because yeah. that's the right for that particular yeah. state. Why is it the DOG prosecuting these lawless politicians? These people belong in prison. Duke says. That's not a thing. That's a thing, actually. I've had seven dicks inside of me. That's not a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Thank you, Dave. That's not a thing. Thank you. (laughs) Duke is... It's a thing. (laughs) Well, he might be right. Blood jizz. It's a thing. Thank you, Dave. Crime scene sex. I'm into that. It's a thing. Thank you, David. Thank you. I think that's going in the spank bank. Probably. Duke (laughs) has long railed against drug use in the context of it being a Jewish plot to break white men into submission. Fuck him! But England is new to this subject. The Atlantic, the Atlantic reported in December that the 33-year-old England got deeply into drugs during his youth and did LSD, took ketamine, ate psychedelic mushrooms, and snorted cocaine. Wait, who did all of that? Uh, the England, the guy who runs the fucking website. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, actually, I have some, uh, I have an audio recording of some oh. of the things that these guys are saying. Yeah, okay. Who the fuck took my paper clips? Somebody stole my goddamn paper clips. Those were my paper clips. My paper he definitely was having a paperclips moment there. Mm, yeah, it sounded yeah. like it. Uh, Anglin also chugged Robitussin to get high and drank so much of the cough syrup that he damaged his stomach and would vomit into trash cans at school, the magazine reported. And other horse sex news. <laughs> what does that have to do with horse sex news? I don't know. I mean, it's white supremacists. I mean, they're probably fucking horses. It's going to yeah. cost you some serious cock. Because they're horses. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anglin has suggested that white male fans of his anti-Semitic propaganda website have had similar problems with abusing drugs and alcohol throughout their lives. Afraid of vaginas? Oh, so you mean deeply emotionally disturbed people might be anti-Semitic? Afraid of vaginas? Oh. 
color be shocked. Don't don't talk about being colored when you're, <laughs> you're around the neo Nazis. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> I'm gonna lick the assholes of every podcaster I know that I dig. Okay, there you go. You might not want to say that too loud around them either, because afraid of vaginas. Yeah, <laughs> they, that too. You know what else they don't want to hear you say? What? You want to do a little ass play? <laughs> they don't want to hear that at all. <laughs> no. Oddly enough, they're okay with this. I got uh, Botox in my scrotum. He wrote on August 9th of his readership. Many of us have struggled with substance abuse. Many of us are out of shape. We feel emasculated. Oh, Newsweek has into that. repeatedly reached out to Anglin for comment, but has not received a formal response. Oh my God, Andrew the Weave Yurheimer. Neo-Nazis are pretty good people. God damn it. Who has handles the technical side of Stormers of, of the Stormer alongside Anglin also has a sister a history with using hardcore drugs. Matter Magazine published a profile on him in 2014 that begins with the recluse offering the author cocaine. And we're back to dicks. Quote, I've done a few drugs, end quote, Armheimer uh, said in a YouTube video during a segment in which he attempted to discredit his mother who told those week he was Jewish. I'm advocating corpse fucking here. I've generally tried all drugs, he said. So the scapegoating of Jewish people for the problems of white men, be it substance abuse, women trouble, or financial trouble, has become a considerably more dangerous business. So, thanks, Trump. That or they just had a bukkake mouth party. Uh, maybe. In the alt-right. Yeah, in the, in the alt-right. <laughs> the alt-right. <laughs> Incidents of harassment, both online and in real life, are also rising, the reports groups say. Uh, although anti sin Senatism has not tethered to one particular political ideology, the alt-right, a movement that calls for limited immigration, mass deportations, and a new state for white non-Jews only, has played a role in promoting conspiracies like the one about marijuana industry. I'm not volunteering for the blood gum. I wouldn't either. It's, uh, <laughs> that got dark really fast yeah. in that article. That yeah. wasn't half as fun as we thought it was No, it was really fun all the way up to the end. Anyway, I'm just going to end it here because fuck this. Uh, oh, <laughs> the movement has also become increasingly violent and been attached to a number of high-profile murders and terror attacks in recent months. Fuck him! Stormer's anti-drug stance has was met with a mostly positive response from the site's community of fans, which tend to flatter the egos of its hosts. And there's actually a whole ton more shit that I'm not willing to read. Listen, because, man, some of these guys yeah, just might be into fisting cows. They probably are. I fucking hate them. Oh, tears are good lube. <laughs> <laughs> and that broke Matt for the night. Yeah, there. <laughs> that story sounded fun. <laughs> then it took a turn. Yeah, it's absolutely not fun at all. No. <laughs> that brought you out of it. Yeah, uh, that was good. Yeah. Uh, space trucker. Yeah. Thank you for considering the well-being of my tits. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> That's not a thing. It is a thing. <laughs> I disagree. Thank you for considering the well-being of my tits. It's a thing. Man, we have it in this definitive now. Yes, it's a definite thing. I've had seven dicks inside of me. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. I'd remember Everyone something Everyone will be like coming that. on my face. I'd remember that, too. Unless, <laughs> of course, I had one of those Cosby drinks. I don't know. That's when. Everyone will be coming on my face. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We're going to take one last break here. We're going to play a promo for one more podcast. We'll have a little bit of music, and when we come back, we will close out this. What the fuck are we doing here, man? We're going to close out this really fucking crazy-ass show. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and David as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, 
and first-time washes to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on iTunes, and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VDClinicPod or email them at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. And still, they just might be contagious. Get information or This has been one crazy ass fucking oh show. Oh my god! Right? We've had our ups, we've had our downs. We've we've went from hating to loving to hating to loving to to loving. Uh, we, is that where uh, we landed yeah, on? Yes, yes, we're back to loving. I fucking <laughs> yeah, the horror house on Highway Five. We yes, I love the horror house on Highway Five. <laughs> yes, I love the horror house on Highway Five. <laughs> oh, oh, that too, that too. Yeah. If you like a couple of whores like us, you can find us on our <laughs> proud home podcasting network of legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. Speaking of whores, we have a Facebook group where you can meet a couple of whores like we, ourselves. We whore ourselves out. Yes, it's cinema psyops on the Facebook groups. If you want to find a whore directly, you can find court psyops on Facebook. And you can also find Matt Psyop who is flat as a board and never been nailed with a plank that is labeled brutal on Facebook. <laughs> he doesn't show his face because, let's face it, you don't want to. No. No. <laughs> you, you can email feedback to Matt, styopmatt at gmail.com. Let him know it's perfectly fine to love a movie that you completely resent at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> you can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know that no matter how many times he tries to qualify it, Horror House on Highway 5 is not the brilliant masterpiece he tried to make it out to be. Man, I'm telling you, it's not. It's not a masterpiece. Unless he meant to do it. Then it's a masterpiece. Oh, God. You can find Court on Twitter. That's at Court underscore PSYOP. You can find Matt on Twitter at PSYOP Matt, where you can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats of your Horror House on Highway 5. Yeah, your Horror House on Highway 5. Tweet those to us. You know what I think we should do, Matt? I think we should just stop the recording, and I think we should just go watch the film right now. Fine. Yeah? Yeah. All right, folks. Kick the fuck out of this weekend. Make it your bitch. God damn it. I've wished you for four.
but no one knows exactly what they're trying to improv around. So you'll come back. I'm going to come back. You're coming back soon. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, that may or may not actually be another clip. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that weird, like, older dad person dorm, you know? This didn't look like a community college no. that he would be going there, though. <laughs> well, no, even bigger colleges have that. The weird older guy? Yeah, the, well, the weird older, the, the dorm, oh, like, there's at least one dorm that has a floor where it's all people, like, getting their lives back on track, and they're all, like, 45, like, you know, and they all have, like, kids that aren't in the dorms, but they're on the phones to, like, their husbands and, like, wives and shit like that. Really fucking weird. <laughs> I'll take your word for that. Yeah, that shit's strange. <laughs> okay, so I don't even know where I'm in my notes. That's how lost I am. <laughs> well, that's the movie. All right, so there's that talk about. We already did that. Um. Yeah, because, you know, come on. Who goes in the back door? <laughs> me, if you let me. <laughs> as much as I can. <laughs> and by you, I mean everybody. How you doing? <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> hey, how's it going, everybody? You, you want to open up? Uh, uh, open uh, up that back door and let uh, me in. Yeah, let us know on the sign-up page. All I'm saying is uh, a very gentle man. Love you real good. He's gentle, but as a firm. <laughs> let me be your back door man. This mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> got really creepy. are repeatedly blamed for every problem white Christian men face. Thinking about, you know, fucking dead people.